Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Techno Wizard. It is Saturday, October 23rd, 10.02 a.m. <laughs> and, um, yesterday, or near the end of the day, um, I read this really cool interview, um, by this dude, uh, I forgot his name. <laughs> of course I would. Um, but, he, he was one of the folks that helped create the euro and um, he's from he helps he manages like the currency and all that other stuff in Belgium and, and uh, studies currency um, in, a, in a university here and a number of other things apparently this interview is old too he recently uh, wrote a number of books that are more recent but um he was uh, talking about currency and the different ways to redesign currency let me see if I can pull up um, that title quick just to no, I don't want to go there let's go check pocket yeah here we go so oh no sorry oh, I thought I said it didn't support it I'm like I saved it here what do you mean you, you don't support it <laughs> Okay, now it doesn't want to... Okay, here we go. It's a PDF, so it's downloading. Okay, it's called Beyond Greed and Scarcity, the interview. An interview with... His name is Bernard Leiter. I'll put that in the description. Um, interviewed by Sarah Van Gelder or Gelder. And uh, I think this interview is from... Looks like 19... 1997 um, but he wrote a book called the future of money beyond greed and scarcity so that's freaking amazing so basically and um, this is really crazy because this is exactly what I've been kind of talking about maybe not exactly but this is close to what I've been talking about in terms of currency but he, he is basically championing the idea of a of local currencies the idea that you don't actually need a currency that's backed by scarcity, by some idea of scarcity, such as you know gold-backed, or even with you know a lot of blockchains where it's um, artificially created scarcity, where it's backed by a dollar, the U.S. dollar, or by you know some some algorithms or things like that. You don't actually need the scarcity aspect to make uh, useful money. Right, people assume that you, especially today, it's kind of like economics 101 that you 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 need some sort of scarcity to back up your money. But he makes the point that he makes several points. First of all, is like local currencies, meaning exchanging um, a unit of a currency between two people or you know several people in a local mm -hmm. area in a community in a physically local area is more robust than using a global currency or a national currency for these little you know community sized or even city sized um, trades right because if you're trading with somebody who is physically close to or who are generally using the same more or less physical you know um, products or services or whatever then your local currency should reflect 
the local um, kind of relationship, the local value, and all that other stuff. All right. I'm not sure if I'm describing that well. Let me back up a bit. So the re the, the way I'm seeing this, you have to. I guess trade with people that are close to you, right? If you have, um, he had an example. I forgot the examples he used. <laughs> but they were pretty good. Just go, just go read it. I'll, I'll post it in the uh, description. But basically, you know, if you have some some apples or whatever, and you want to trade with somebody else who has some um, shirts that they've created, then. You can use, like, people say a, a bartering system, you know, is inefficient because what if you don't want those shirts or, or whatever, right? And that's fair. Number one, you can use a gift-giving economy, right? And unfortunately, he didn't bring up the gift-giving economy. And I think that's because most people are simply unaware of it. Like, people, they just assume that it's, it's not a big thing, but it was an incredibly big thing. But I'll get back to the gift-giving economy, too, because I think this is a huge part of that. But a step up from the gift-giving economy is like this kind of local currency where, for instance, if you use cowrie shells or sand or anything else, like there, there is no limits <laughs> on the amount of cowrie shells and sand and all the other stuff there is. But you can trade using these shells, you know. You say, okay, I, I don't want, you know, a shirt, but I'll give you 10 cowrie shells. You know, and then you can take those cowrie shells and trade it with somebody else in a local community, right? And to the local community, cowrie shells are themselves valuable, right? Because they know they can trade it with other people in that local community. It may not be meaningful to somebody, you know, from another community, from outside of the of the uh, the nation or that geographic area or something, but it might be probably valuable to the people there, right? Now, there's different reasons why it's valuable. Perhaps because they can use those cowrie shells, like I was saying before. Um, and another reason is because you, once again, trust the people in your neighborhood. You're close with them, right? Um, it creates a sense of community. A sense of, like, communal, communal identity. But he mentions that um, these local currencies are more... Uh, robust meaning that when the global currency and the global markets kind of uh, what do you call it like vacillate or you know just, just get really <laughs> really troublesome it's it's really dangerous to tie local relationships or local currencies to that and what I mean is like for instance if the US the, 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 the US dollar Right, it's a national thing. Everybody in the world kind of, you know, their economies kind of play off of what the U.S. dollar is doing. Right. So if anything happens to our economy, then not only not only does our nation suffer. Right. The people here, you know, <laughs> they get r real scared about whether or not we can use a, use a dollar and all this other stuff. But now everybody else, everybody else also suffers like all their other markets and currencies and all the other stuff is messed up too you know who won't be messed up at least for a long longer period of time is people with local currency 
like communities he mentioned communities in, in France where they use a local franc or a local um, form of the franc or something like that whatever you call it so even if the global markets you know kind of um, get wild and swing this way and that way or you have some collapse some economic collapse in one of these bigger countries these local communities can still function right because their local currency is, is kind of a, a, a little bubble not in a bad way as in you know you know values keep rising or costs keep rising or whatever but as in it's, it's self-contained it's separated from the everybody else so that's one side he, he pointed out these local currencies are very beneficial and um, very useful very robust another thing he pointed out is that it doesn't there's this um, and this I was kind of not really filling him up at first but then he pointed out some uh, some uh, historical data for this but he brought up the idea of arch arch archetypes um, of call I think it's Carl Jung or whatever his name is Jung that philosopher psychologist or whatever he was <laughs> I never studied I have to study him I heard a lot of people talk about him but he was saying he was one of the only people that really studied um, kind of global or at least like large-scale consciousness as in the the conscious identities of, of many people kind of like the early levels of sociology right and um, he points out with these archetypes that you have if I'm understanding this correctly a kind of um, primary archetype and then its shadow archetype and I'm not sure if that's exactly what he called it the primary archetype but basically like the primary is like what what people or what a group of people more or less believe as their identity or about the world or something like that and then the shadow is what happens when they're in a state of um, kind of uh, I don't know extremism or or lacking or something like that like when you have a negative event happen and then you respond you can respond negatively like um, I think the examples he gave is for the, the the king or queen archetype so people see themselves as in as individuals but also as you know people that have a sense of responsibility right it's like a king or a queen um, and if they face a negative event they can then they might respond negatively and the shadow archetype of either weakness of being so insecure that you're scared of anything you know kind of uh, kind of setting you off or a um, sense of tyrant like a tyrant um, uh, response where you basically try to use the bit of power that you have to to grab for anything that you can get and 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 you know push your will on others and stuff like that so these shadow archetypes can be how entire groups of people like whole communities or civilizations even respond to different situations and that happens when these archetypes are imbalanced right when you don't bring these this balance into play again I'm not sure if I'm doing this 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 justice this idea justice I suggest you look it up yourself but what really what really brought this home for me was when he brought up the fact that 
as a kind of civilization, um, as a Western civilization, we have very much depended on this archetype of the the great father, right? Um, which is, you know, of course, you know, the almighty or whatever. And we have a kind of male-dominated society. Um, but that also comes with it, you know, uh, greed and scarcity. Or this idea that there is not enough around. And so we have to, you know, um, control what there is and, and dispense it accordingly. And um, greed and scarcity are like the two shadows to that great father aspect in which, you know, you know, you have to grab for what you what you what you want um, because it's not enough for everybody. So you have to <laughs> struggle for what you want. Versus the great mother, the great mother uh, archetype, which is a natural feeling of abundance and and uh, plenty and community. So there, the two sides of of the great mother is this belief, or the the great mother idea archetype is this belief that you know the earth provides. You know, there will always be availability and, and so on and so forth. Um, and so it's it's easier to build communities and things like that. And he brought this home with two examples throughout history where the monetary system um, used these local currencies because they had a great mother type of uh, archetype or type of understanding of the world. And um, the Roman times... One of the one of these Roman times, I forgot the exact one. Again, look it up. But he mentioned how they there was a there was a time when uh, what do you call it? They had basically their own currency, right? But they also had a time when they believed in and uh, I feel terrible. I'm forgetting like all the details. I read it like so late at night, and I don't want to misrepresent everything I might have to read this out for you myself so I don't mess things up in terms of economics we lack trust just probably pauses <laughs> one second So sorry. Ah, see, yeah, I knew I was messing this up. It wasn't Rome; it was Egypt, ancient Egypt, um, right before the Romans take the Romans took over. Right, Egypt had uh, this great mother idea, Isis, and everything like that, in which was, of course, this kind of mother figure. And um, and because of that, you know, well, again, this is kind of retroactively looking at what they did, but. It seems to, to correspond <laughs> with that time, with this idea that, you know, the the Nile will provide or the, the area, like the, the place around them, right? This environment will provide the resources they need. And so the, the actual material conditions that they did, they did things like um, whenever you placed, uh, they had a grain-based um, kind of banking system, right? And this is actually the foundations of a lot of, uh, much of economics, right? Um, the, the ancient Egyptians, the Sumerians, all this other stuff, they use grain-based um, banking to where farmers or whatever could store their grain with the, 
the government, the banks. And in turn, they will get tokens in which they can use in everyday life. But when they went back to retrieve those grains, you know, they were given less tokens than than um, before. You know, they could. So I'm not sure. Again, I'm not sure if I'm explaining that well. So if they basically if they come back the next year, right, and they want to. Um, well, why am I why am I saying this? I could just read it. It's, it's, it's a pretty short passage. So here we go. Um, has this ever been tried? There's only been only three periods I've found. Classical Egypt, about three centuries in the middle, European Middle Ages, and a few years in the 1930s. In ancient Egypt, when you stored grain, you would receive a token, which was exchangeable and became a type of currency. If you returned a year later with ten tokens, you would only get nine tokens worth of grain because rats and spoilage would have reduced the quantities and because the guards at the storage facility had to be paid so that amounted to, to, to a demiurge, demiurge charge and this demiurge um, is what he's talking about in terms of making this kind of great mother idea or um, this kind of uh, currency idea in which the currency itself is is uh, not a store a value right this demiurge um, is kind of a disincentive to put your money in the bank and or put your money, you know, in the bank. Yeah, in the bank where it would just grow. <laughs> Instead, uh, it's he's trying to just dim your charge and, and and encourages you to invest that money in the in the community, right? And which allows you to allows the community, the community to grow and things like that. So, anyways. Egypt was the breadbasket for the ancient world, the gift of the Nile. Why? Because instead of keeping value in money, everybody invested in productive assets that would last forever. Things like land improvements and irrigation systems. Proof that the monetary system has something to do with this wealth is that it all ended abruptly as soon as the Romans replaced the Egyptian grain standard currency with their own money system, with positive interest rates. After that, Egypt ceased being the grain basket and became a developing country as it is called today. In Europe, during the Middle Ages, the 10th to 13th centuries, local currencies were issued by local lords and then periodically recalled and reissued with a tax collected in the process. Again, this was a form of demiurge that made money undesirable as a store of value. The result was a blossoming of culture and widespread well-being corresponding exactly to the time period when these local currencies were used. Practically all the, all the cathedrals were built during this time period. If you think about it, what is required as investment for a small town to build a cathedral is extraordinary. And then they talk about how um, the cathedrals themselves, like the reason people started building these things uh, was because of this great mother idea. Because during that exact same time period, um, even though that was in the middle of, you know, this kind of European uh, great father type, type of um, ID, idea, during that specific few centuries, people became really enamored with, once again, the Egyptian um, idea of the uh, Black Madonna, which comes from this idea of Isis, right? And people used to build statues of the Black Madonna and all this other stuff, and they had this idea that this is, you know, kind of like the mother. It's kind of like the. Uh, I wonder if it's related to the Mother Mary. I'm not sure, but um, it is the idea of like plenty and 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 uh, you know the the environment will provide and stuff like that, right? And what really interests me in all this, all right, 
is that once again it's related to what I was saying before and that the the beginnings of inequality right when you when we begin to favor or value you know certain people over other i.e. men over women right that creates an imbalance in our entire kind of species <laughs> because for millions of years we have created a balanced um, society we have created a balanced species in which we find value right we find different things to value from different peoples and if we you know say oh one person is more important than the other one thing is more important than the other then we throw our much of our psyche and much of our society out of balance out of whack and what I find super interesting in addition <laughs> super super interesting is once again with, mm -hmm. with the idea of currency again it makes sense to have currency to facilitate trade between people but if that's based in greed if that's based in scarcity if that's based in this idea that only a certain amount of people can have currency or a certain amount of people can have you know um, whatever they want <laughs> from that currency or and if you know like one thing he pointed out is that there's there's with the global markets in terms of the currency trade and things like that there's more supposed value traded every day than the value created in each any any country um, combined so back then when he was doing this interview said it was like 1.3 trillion dollars of worth of trade every day but the actual local currency not local currency but the actual national currencies like the GDP of the of America or of any of these countries right was that much in a year <laughs> furthermore when banks give out loans or when you give um, when you buy something from the bank like a house or something like that right you buy a loan $100,000 loan you get a loan for $100,000 and then through the currency you know you end up paying back I mean I'm sorry not through the currency due to um, interest you end up pay paying back like $200,000 over like 20, 30, 40 years or whatever. Right? Meaning that there is no greater amount of currency, you know, um, created there. Like you have to go out in the market. You have to go and take that money from other people in order to pay back your currency. So the very foundations of our system depends on having this scarcity, depends on certain people winning and certain other people losing and we say that's a good thing right but with the idea of local currencies or really the idea of any sort of localized area where people don't actually on, on some level right where people don't have to actually trade to that level based on scarcity at least then you can have a better a more balanced society right people say oh we want competition um, I still, once again, question whether or not competition is exactly the, what, what we think of when we think of innovation and change and all this other stuff. I think cooperation may be, um, some aspects of cooperation may be adversarial cooperation, adversarial interoperability, stuff like that. Might actually be more important, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> what I'm getting to here is that if you want to build a better society, you know, um, it just makes sense for on the local side, at the local level, right, on the everyday level, when people are 
doing everyday things when they're just getting you know little um, staple foods when they're just getting little um, you know handmade products or or you know basic products basic services all of that should be handled of course on the local level and because it is handled on the local level right you have a local currency now he's you know talking about all these kind of local currencies of tokens or or uh, other ways of doing it but I actually think a gift-giving economy can also work similarly because a gift-giving economy is sort of a local currency it's like basically using um, something like favors as the currency right yes you're giving a gift but there's also an unsaid favor right like if you give a big enough gift to somebody then you kind of want to give them a gift back eventually right most people do at least people like to both give give and receive and so a when you give gifts you know it inherently involves a, a sort of um, desire a sort of favor sort of you know local currency in and of itself so either way we go I think that's a huge and very um, practical way to build our society, even rebuild our society in a, in a better manner. How do you do that? Well, first of all, you have to create um, a more cohesive sense of community. Right? He points out how the, the very word of community, like the etymology of community, literally means the gift of either the gift of giving or the gift of um, giving among each other or something like that. Right? If you look up the etymology. And so we've lost a lot of that, right? <laughs> we've lost a lot of that meaning. That's very unfortunate. So what we can do is facilitate, you know, some sort of local environment, some sort of local currencies in our in our neighborhoods. It's extra, unfortunately, it's very difficult to do in these suburban neighborhoods where <laughs> um, it's it's barely even a sense of community, right? It's barely even a relationship in which you can trade between people because almost everything is outsourced to you know the local city um, which is not really local it might be 30 40 an hour drive or something like that for some people um, definitely un unwalkable in many many aspects but it's it's uh, problematic and I think that's gonna be the hardest kind of barrier to this I think we can begin to solve this by creating like these digital communities. So we already have, you know, Discord communities and Facebook groups, even even though it's problematic. Um, Reddit groups. Uh, what else? You know, YouTube, Patreon, um, whatever else is out there, right? <laughs> WhatsApp or whatever. Like we we have all these different types of communities. So what if we, you know, create different types of apps? Or just methods of trading between these communities, right? Where you say, okay, these are you know things that we're looking for. Like you can have a list of needs, a list of things that you would like at any one point in time. Maybe today you have these needs, tomorrow you have these needs, or this week you have these needs, next month you have these needs, whatever. And then you have another list of services that you're willing to provide. Say, I'm willing to give this, I'm willing to give that. Services or products, you know. I'm willing to help with this, I can help with that, blah, blah, blah. And to facilitate that trade, 
you can establish a local currency within that group of something like favors or hours that was another example he gave hours as in like literally this is the amount of hours of work i'm willing to give you um which allows people to to think to to have a sort of um yes it, it's scarcity but it's it's reasonable scarcity right it's not artificial and it's it's based on very real um effort to trade with other people right that's another thing he mentioned is that with local currency um, you don't. You're not necessarily worried about inflation, or worried about you know people putting up uh, like price gouging or something like that because it's just not realistic. Like if you want to trade with people, if you want to be a part of the community, you can't put something up that nobody in the community can afford because then it, it's 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 useless. Like nobody's gonna you know jump for that. Um, that only works in a more global or more national type of currency because you can outsource right you can have people come from all over the place who make more money in another community and then can come to this community and out pay you know out <laughs> work or whatever everybody and so once again that's that robustness um but anyways with this digital community i think you can kind of build that that end to this community and build this sense of community between these digital folks um now the problem there is that is whether or not people will have the trust to do this because even with communities in which we feel very comfortable, right? Many digital com communities today are still not comfortable enough to do something where you're exchanging, you know, gifts or or currency with other people, right? It's still not that level of trust. And so I wonder how we can establish some sort of great mother archetype, some sort of understanding in that community that, you know, we will provide, you know, the community will provide or, you know, the, the, the mother or something, I don't know, something will provide, like there is plenty, there is abundance here, right? Because a large part of how a currency works and, and how our society works is based on what we believe in what we believe the world to, to look like and to function, right? The whole reason why the right, the authoritarian, the authoritarian or hierarchical right, you know, exists is because people fundamentally believe that people are inherently, you know, greedy or that value is based on, you know, the amount of influence or power or wealth or something like that that you have and that respect goes kind of downwards or rather upwards like you know the person below you respect should respect you like you have like some someone or something is below you right <laughs> and you have you know greater respect than them and you or you have responsibility over them or things like that right so that comes from a inherent belief that's a inherent perspective of the world right of seeing the world as this hierarchical nature where you know you have god humans um animals um the earth you know so it makes sense that they treat things you know in that manner you know it might not be the exact same for you know different types of um right-leaning people um but it's very similar right and furthermore you know left-leaning people can use right-leaning ideas you know if they don't even if they don't understand you know what it means to be left like this is why it's important to realize that liberal and conservative does not necessarily mean right and left. It's not the same thing. 
if anything, it's like a four, one of those four axis things, right? Where you have right, left, and then you have conservative, you know, on the, on the, um, what do you call it? The Y, the, the X axis, the Y axis. Yeah. The Y axis, the one that goes up and down. <laughs> you have conservative and liberal on the Y axis while you have left and right on the X axis. Right. So liberals and conservatives can use left or right leaning ideas in order to, you know, get what they want in order to get what they believe to uh, across. Um, so, yeah, like it's. It's important thing, I think, to figure out how we can get people to believe this story again, this idea of the world. And I think it is actually happening. Right. Unfortunately, it's kind of battling with things like climate change and with the fact that we're destroying a lot of nature and the environment and all this other stuff so it becomes increasingly harder for people to believe that the world will provide you know the, the earth will provide when we're destroying a lot of the resources that we're going to need <laughs> in the first place so i think that's going to be a huge battle that we're going to have to play and we have to figure out how to balance um i think you know maybe something like technology might be the answer Right, the fact that we have this technological progress, people have this idea that technology will solve everything, and maybe we can use that. Right, like you don't want to be too naive in thinking technology is the only answer, right? And you know, technology will will do everything that you want to do, but you know, having a sense of actionable optimism of hope, you know, is very important. I think this is why something like solar punk is actually a good, you know, way of doing this. Like looking at the sun and you know the the uh kind of meshing of technology and nature you know this this um what, what do you call it like biotech type of kind of feeling you know looking at the meshing of nature and technology this kind of transcendent type of technology as kind of a mother type of figure a type of um, communal, um, nurturing, abundant figure versus, you know, the, uh, the quote unquote real disciplined, you know, the scarcity, um, um, the value based things and stuff like that. That may be the balance that we need. But I don't know. I'm just, you know, thinking about it. It was definitely interesting to hear. And I, and I, when I get the chance, um, I would like to read that book, um, Beyond Green and Scarcity, or Money Beyond Green and Scarcity, whatever it was. Um, I think he wrote an even more recent book in the last few years. I just saw it on Amazon. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, very, it's very awesome to see other people thinking about this. People much smarter than me <laughs> thinking about this and showing that, you know, this is, in fact, um, a real thing. This is, in fact... Um, a great kind of pathway and uh, yeah I would love to know what other folks think about this sorry if it was all over the place I literally you know like I said I just read it last night while I was about to go to bed <laughs> um, but I think it's an incredibly strong idea and um, yeah anyways this weekend going to take some time to re 
redo my schedules and all the other stuff. So I'll probably share that maybe tomorrow or Monday. Um, always important to adapt things. And um, yeah, if you have any other ideas, once again, let me know what you think, as always. And uh, hit me up if you want to have conversations about this stuff. If you have other ideas. If you agree, if you disagree, why, why not? And uh, let's see how we can, you know, make the world a better place. I guess an action item for today is uh, list out some ideas for how you can make your community more communal. What I mean by that is, how can people, how can you, how can, how can you establish a sense of trust? To which point people are comfortable sharing their needs, as well as sharing the services that they are willing to provide. And then you can figure out, you know, some sort of local um, currency system within your community. Again, I think it will be easier to do this with a dig digital community, but it could be just as easy with a physical community if you have one. Um, honestly, I haven't had a physical community to belong in in a very long time, <laughs> since like high school. Um, at least not anything you know, particularly robust. So I don't really have much to say on that end. But with the digital communities, definitely, I think it would be really cool to do. And uh, some of those tokens, some of those currency systems can be things like anything from like an actual token. Like if you look up um, blockchain or uh, DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. I think there's a lot of oh, no, um, DAOs or I think it's DAPs, decentralized applications. Something like that, right? If you look up these things, you should be able to find some that is relatively easy to spin up. I'm not sure. I looked up some, and the ones I found, they were they were interesting, but not as easy as I thought they should be. So maybe, maybe, you know, you might still be lost like I was. But that might be a avenue to look at. Um, or you can just do, you know, your own currency that you just just make up. You know, just <laughs> have some some digital pixels to say, hey. You know, this costs 10 tokens, um, and uh, I think there's a there's a bot. I'm pretty sure there's bots that that can do that. Um, people use them for like games and stuff like that. Like, oh, you 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 did this mission, and now here's some currency, here's some made up digital currency, just like like in-game money. Like, it doesn't really mean anything outside of the community, but inside it does. It's, it can be cool. You can even use something like emojis. That would be pretty interesting. Um, but the point here is that this is not a real currency. Like you can't use the outside community. Obviously, nobody else knows what that is. But for for the inside, if you have a level of trust and understanding between people, then you can use it. Right? You can say, "Hey, I want, I need this thing. You know, whether it's a real product or some service. Like I need help with uh, some new art, like for my my avatar." And then somebody else says, "I'm willing to, you know, do that art for you." Um, then you can exchange, you know, a token or two or whatever to do that. Um, and everybody has these tokens. Like you can easily just just make a token <laughs> and give it to somebody. The point of the token is not to say, oh, I'm I'm now two tokens richer than you. No, the point is that something happened, like an exchange happened between you two. It's more like a gift than an actual, you know, buying of a of a service. And again, the the usefulness of that 
is that it creates that sense of community. Again, it, it is difficult because these digital communities are just digital. <laughs> like people still have real life needs. Um, and that's why people should say what their services they can offer, right? Like if, if they literally, you know, um, don't have the time to do, you know, things, then you just don't have to put those services up there. Like they don't have to put anything up there that they can't actually do that, that would, you know, take away from their real life, um, um, problems or, or job or things like that. But if they have a little bit of spare time, if you have like a little hour, you know, spare time with some extra stuff that you literally don't need or don't want or whatever, put it up there and see what happens. Um, yeah, so that's our action item. I'm going to try to do this with my itty bitty community, like with like three people over here. So I don't know if that's going to work, but I'll see. And then um, maybe I can propose this to some of the larger communities I'm in, like the anarchist folks and stuff like that and see what that looks like um but yeah thanks for watching oh, goodness thanks for listening and have a great day see you bye bye